0: News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation, and join the cause for liberty today. Well, welcome to the Luke Messias Show. It has been a very packed week, and so we are going to unpack a handful of things, mostly Very good things and some unfortunate realities that face our state that we just have to be aware of and kind of address. So, first and foremost, I'm going to talk about the massive shift that has happened in the property tax discussion. Okay. So, I want to back this up for you. Um, Several months ago, Morgan Meyer, who is the House chairman of Ways and Means, was having a discussion in his committee and asked um Dale Kramer if I, I think it was and and i'm i'm going to get in trouble if this is wrong okay but um the ultimate number is not wrong so i think it was a 10 cent compression something like that and you have to understand kind of how the buy down rates work um but he said essentially is is like a 10% 10 cent Uh, compression, uh, do you think that would be ample property tax relief? And this amounted to somewhere around $4 billion of property tax relief. Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, uh, if you don't follow them, uh, you should because they covered this when it happened, texastaxpayers.com. So they covered this when it happened and basically said, look, this is really concerning because Morgan Meyer is kind of somebody who's considered powerful and in the know regarding what House leadership might be thinking. And he is insinuating that the house is considering a $4 billion buy down of property taxes meaningful. And just to, we talked about this at the time on this program. And so we said, look, this is a really bad indicator. You see no serious consideration of property tax relief. Okay. Just a reminder for all of you, we have a $27 billion surplus. Now, once you get into 4 billion and 7 billion, $27 billion numbers, it it all just kind of loses its meaning. And then I tell you, well, the budget's going to be over $200 billion. And now you're like, well, what does this even mean? So just to give you a tangible understanding, Right a 3 to $4 billion buy down. And the way that works is that the state of Texas depends partially on local property taxes to fund public schools. And then they also write a check to public schools. And so the state can do what's called a buy down or a property tax compression, where it gives money to public education, but it is in order to give them the ability to depend less on your property taxes. And so this effectively buys down your tax bill. And then also kind of essentially politically creates this new floor that they've pushed it down to. And so, or maybe a ceiling or a floor, I don't know. It depends on the analogy, but they've pushed it down. And so this is giving you some sort of relief depending on what they actually do. So three to four billion dollars is basically needed just to buy down the growth in your property taxes. So if you're like, hey, my taxes went up in order for state politicians to be able to say, hey, you rented your home from us for $9,000 a year. And guess what? It's only $9,000 this year. In order for them to do that, it costs them three to $4 billion. So Morgan Meyer at the time is talking about this. And it sounds like he's literally thinking this is like a good thing. And so then Dan Patrick comes out. And again, just to remind everybody of the dynamics, the Texas Senate is essentially always going to start more conservative. The only time the Senate has not been to the right of the House initially has been when it comes to the Second Amendment. And and the House passed constitutional carry before the Senate took it up and considered it. And Dan Patrick helped to push it through by causing several senators to really cave on it. Uh, That pressure came from the House. Other than that issue, historically, for the last ever since Dan Patrick's been elected, the Senate has always been the more conservative body that has been more dependable for Republican legislation. And so the Texas Senate, we often look at as conservatives as that body that is more likely to deliver a conservative policy. And we're going to get into the greater implications of that when it comes to Judge Glenn Whitley, who's the current Republican, uh, quote unquote, Republican County judge from Tarrant County. But I digress. I'm getting distracted. Here's the reality. So Dan Patrick follows up with that with his property tax plan. And the key in his statement that he comes out is he says, look, we've got all this money and I want to make it clear that property taxpayers are going to get paid first before anybody else, which everyone likes that. It's like, you're the first in line, right? But he puts out this plan that is like less than $8 billion in property tax relief. And again, if three to 4 billion is just buying away the increase, another three to four billion is giving you a small amount of property tax relief, right? Um, But it's not something that's going to be meaningful when it comes to each and every one of your pocketbooks. And so then we're sitting here going, well, this isn't a good starting point because if the Senate is starting at seven or eight and the House is starting at four, then this is really not an ideal situation for the taxpayer. But a lot of conservatives have been saying something needs to happen. So Governor Abbott came out this week and said, Texas is sitting on a record budget surplus of $27 billion, literally more extra money than we've ever had. I personally think, and a lot of people think, that all that money should just get returned to you. Because I'm telling you, you're going to do way better with this money than the government. But okay. He says, this is the governor speaking again, because this is your money, I want to return at least half of the money to you with the largest property tax cut ever in the history of Texas, okay? So this is very good news. Now, again, you do have to kind of step back and go like, because this is all your money, I'm giving you at least half of it back. And you go, man, you know, if anybody else told me that. I would not take it as positively as if it were a politician. And that's just the reality of where we're at, right? I mean, like anybody else on the street goes, hey, this is your $100. I'm giving you at least $51 back. And you're like, "I that's my hundred bucks. You know, like, what are you doing? That's my money. So uh, it is good to acknowledge that it's our money. And then at least, but to to Governor Abbott's credit, this is better than what? The other chambers we're talking about previously so he says at least half is going to get returned so let's say that's at least what is this uh of 27 billion so what are we talking like 13 and a half billion dollars okay so now we're talking about a number where your property tax bill is going down hundreds of dollars okay So immediately following that, in fact, like literally several hours later, Dan Patrick releases a statement and he says, once we get the final comptroller estimate in January, it actually may be more than half of the surplus. Bottom line is that property tax relief will come first. So again, this is Patrick keeping his kind of previous position, which is property taxpayers come first, but now he's increasing the amount from like seven to 8 billion up to now 14 billion, more than half, right? Some people read this and said, well, okay, maybe the lieutenant governor saying he thinks the the estimate's going to come down, you know, like, oh yeah, it's like 13, but I think it's going to be closer to a $25 billion surplus. So it'll be more than half. I don't know, but hopefully he's saying, no, I think we should take that up to 14 billion. So this is a, this is really good news because the reality is that there's going to be pushback and we've, if that is the starting point, at least OK, that's a floor, which means you can't go under. So we're not starting from this position of, OK, well, the governor, lieutenant governor wants 13 to 14 billion. The House wants four. Let's meet in the middle. No, we've said at least this much must go. And the truth is, at least means there's plenty of room to improve, which is why each and every one of you need to be talking to your elected officials saying, guys, give us our money back. That's really what you should be telling them. Ultimately. Every one of you admit that this is our money. You should say the $27 billion surplus is that our money? And when they say yes, you say, How much of our money are you wanting to keep to grow government? Okay. And here's the thing these guys don't have plans to increase the virtue. Okay. That's just not it. So, coming from here, ultimately, Uh, I mentioned Dan Patrick before. Remember what we've talked about. I mean, Dan Patrick, more so than the top three, has always been the one to push our state further to the right. Okay? This property tax situation, which I just mentioned, is one of those rare situations where Patrick came and kind of move the marker to the right of Dan Patrick. Very rare, but I think in this situation he's trying to really establish this number with Beto so he can push a hard line on property tax relief, which is a good thing for us. Remember, we get way more out of politicians during campaign season. And then we have to hold them accountable to it. And when they're in when they're in a competitive situation, we've seen this with Huffines and Alan West and Chad Prather that Greg Abbott actually had to deliver more conservative results. He made CPS start to invest investigate abusive parents who are transitioning their children and literally the dallas morning news wrote in the last week that cps has had so many employees leave because they didn't want to investigate these child abuse child abusers these parents that are abusing their children through sexual transitions they've had so many employees leave they now have a crisis at their agency which is great news for the state of texas and i don't care if somebody clips this out And calls me out for saying it. It's great news for the state of Texas that these leftist Marxist radicals are not working at this state agency. If you are somebody who does not want to investigate a family for sexually transitioning their kid. I don't want you to work as a state employee in Texas. Do you understand my position? That is my position. And that should be your position, okay? We don't want these individuals working at our universities, working at our schools, working at our state agencies. And the pol- if we put a policy in place and those people decide, I don't want to work anymore, that policy should be furthered. The Attorney General of Texas said we should take off a pro-life holiday the day Roe versus Wade was overturned. He said everybody has the day off. Praise the Lord that the that Roe v. Wade was overturned. And there were employees complaining about it. Great. I hope you don't come back. I don't want you working at the Texas Attorney General's office. Okay. All that being said, Dan Patrick has received a something I think he should be proud of. And that is the fact that Judge Glenn Whitley, who is a rhino Republican out of Tarrant County. And let me explain to you, this guy has a is a relic in Tarrant County. I have done a ton of work in Tarrant County for my entire political career. Literally, when I started running a bunch of campaigns, a bunch of them were headquartered in tarrant county and all of these establishment elite people you would get elected and you'd start meeting with them and they go well i don't know if i want to donate to your campaign if glenn whitley isn't on board okay this guy was a power broker and he is going to be replaced by a conservative warrior in Tim O'Hare. And if you are live in the DFW area, if you're wondering what are the type of races that matter a lot, Tim O'Hare's race matters. The county judge race in Tarrant County. You should get down there. But here's what you need to know. Glenn Whitley came out. This rhino, this elite liberal who disguised himself as a Republican, came out this week and said, you know what? I'm voting for Mike Collier for lieutenant governor over Dan Patrick. He is going to vote for the leftist Marxist Democrat over Dan Patrick, okay? And he's mad. He's mad because Dan Patrick has pushed property tax relief. He's mad because Dan Patrick has told the counties, you can't just do whatever you want. You ultimately are subservient to the state, which is true, okay? Glenn Whitley comes from this old school that believes that this idea of local control, quote unquote, local control, is a conservative ideal. That's not true, okay? Conservative local control is a good thing. Liberal local control is a bad thing. Let me just make it simple. But the truth is, the most local control is the control of the individual. So when a city tells you you cannot leave your house, or you are not an essential employee, or you may not walk into this premises, you may not walk in to get your hair cut, you may not cut someone's hair, that is not local control. That is tyranny. But Glenn Whitley lives in this world where local control means the local government's control over the state. And Dan Patrick has not supported that. And Dan Patrick has also pushed the party to the right, as has Matt Rinaldi as the chairman, as has Brian Slayton in the Texas House, which we're going to get to in just a second. So Glenn Whitley, of all the statewide elected officials, says, well, there's one Republican I ain't voting for. And that's Dan Patrick. I'm voting for this Democrat. So if you're a conservative out there saying, of all, the cons- of all the statewide Republican candidates, who should I be most excited about voting for? At this point, it is clearly Dan Patrick. Why? Because the rhinos are like, I, I cannot vote for this guy. They're pretty smart. Okay. Rhinos are not dumb people. You're only being a rhino means you're like elected. You have a position. You have fooled a bunch of Republican voters into keeping you in power. That's what you, you, nobody calls somebody a rhino who's just sitting in their house. Okay. That guy's a rhino. What do you mean? He's watching TV, he's watching The Walking Dead. Like what is he do? like he's not a rhino? I mean, I guess he is a rhino, but like when I use the term rhino and I'm sure when you use the term rhino, it's almost always describing like an elected official. It's very rarely describing just some random dude who happens to vote Republican sometimes. So these rhinos are not dumb. They're smart. They have convinced a bunch of Republicans to vote for them. When they say, I don't like this guy, that should tell you, okay, this guy must be doing something right. And that's the truth. So speaking of people that are pushing the party to the right, Brian Slayton continues to fire on all cylinders. He released a several weeks ago, information, ag- Basically bringing to light that we have Texas state medical schools that are teaching doctors how to sexually transition kids in the state of Texas. Absolutely absurd. It is insane, guys. We have medical schools that teach people how to sexually transition a child. That is how demented our taxpayer-funded medical schools are. They're abusive. They're abusers. They're groomers and we're paying for it. So Brian Slayton sends his press release to the Texas house administration and says, please put this on my website. So when you go to house.state.tx.slayton or HD two or or whatever, you're going to see his press release. Well, they say you cannot publish your press release. We will not let your press release be published on this government website. And he says, why this is a Republican, by the way, They say, well, you use the word abhorrent, harmful, and barbaric to describe child gender modification. And those are editorial perspectives. Those are your own perspectives. So Brian Slayton submitted another press release. I'll I'll just read the headline to you. It says, Slayton opposes censorship, urges Texas House to use appropriate terminology regarding child gender modification. So literally, Republicans in the Texas House are telling this Republican state representative, we are not going to publish your valid information about taxpayer-funded instruction and teaching and child gender modification in the state of Texas. We're going to keep it quiet because you you say it's abhorrent. You say it's barbaric. And we don't, we're not here to tell people what it is. So he quoted, he said, we were informed last week my press release would not be published in the House website because it violated their policy guidelines, which are a mixture of objective and subjective standards. After several attempts to ascertain the exact violation of the information press, uh, informative press release in question, Chairman Metcalf informed me certain descriptive adjectives and phrases such as abhorrent, harmful, barbaric, and the phrase quote, no one in their right mind could be used, end quote, could be used to describe the practice of child gender modification in the Texas House. Big tech platforms have engaged in substantial amount of censorship over the last several years, and now a type of censorship is coming from within the Texas House itself. At the very bottom, his press release he said, this press release has been submitted for publication on the House website since it does not explicitly call child gender modification, any unapproved adjective, So he was, you know, he used the words, but he didn't use them as a, as an adjective, as a description of the practice. And they published that press release. <laughs> so they published this press release saying that he wasn't allowed to call it a abhorrent and he could use the words, but he couldn't use the words when describing it. And these are the Republicans of the Texas house. So if you're wondering, Hey Luke, why are you always so skeptical? of whether these guys are really going to do anything. It's because this is what we continue to see from the elite leadership in the Texas House. They're blind. They don't see what's happening or coming. I will say one bright light and what we are going to transition to this point is we have some new faces showing up at the Texas House and at different times we'll bring you different uh, members. We might have some discussions with some of the incoming members. We'll have... um Will report on different stuff that's going on. But Nate Schatzline, who is a newly elected state representative for Fort Worth, he is replacing Matt Krauss, recently came out on his podcast and talked about these family friendly drag shows. And I'm going to play for you the excerpt um, of his podcast. And I, I just want you to hear this here for a second. Our faith. Teaches us that we can expect the world to be Correct. the world. That's good. What bothers me is not that drag shows exist, because the reality is we can expect that to happen. What bothers me is that there are people who share our faith and they are silent. They are being cowardly. There are politicians that literally ran a race off of being a Christian conservative, and yet for some reason, when a drag show shows up in our backyard, we get cowardly. Don't you? dare show up to some political event and say I'm fighting for the next generation and then fail to stand up when our kids are being taken down on a daily basis. So that should refresh each and every one of you to have an elected official who's willing to speak very clearly and plainly about what it is. What's going on? What is happening? And I love the fact that he says, I don't have, you know, it's not, my problem is not secular people having secular opinions. It's the men and women who are saying, I'm a Christian, I have these values, and then they're not doing something about it. And this is something we've talked a lot about on this show, is this is what we just talked about when it comes to the property tax issue, when it comes to the sex change surgeries on kids. And in this instance, when it comes to drag queens, sexualizing our children it is a major problem and we are really grateful that Nate Schatzline is speaking up about it I took my kids to the library this week and my daughter just started so we're homeschooling my daughter and uh, she just started you know actual school because she's five and so she's doing math she's doing reading my wife's doing a great job um Teaching her, and I I get to, I'm the privileged person that I get to kind of come in and participate a little bit and then step out and then come in a little bit. Um, But my daughter recently discovered what a library is and she loves it. Okay, so this is a blessing. Some of you don't have kids that love libraries, but my daughter does. And so she wants to go there. Right. And she also has science and science at five is more just like an experiment. And maybe you get to learn about something. But I'm telling you, this five year old has a brilliant mind. And so if I tell her something, she will remember that thing. If she reads it in a book, she'll remember it three weeks later. She just holds this information and she'll remember it months later. So we are going to study space this week. So of course she was like, I want to go to the library and look at all the space books and maybe check out a couple and take them home. And now actually this week I have to read to her a book about Mars and learn about Mars and all this stuff. So I'm there and I, I'm just gonna be honest. Like I had not been to a library in a long time. Um, makes me sound kind of dumb, but I hadn't been to a library in a long time. And I'm like, you know what? I haven't gotten personally into the whole library scandals going on, but Hey, let me just, peruse. And I am in the kids section. I am in the section with like pop-up books. I mean, literally three little pigs. Okay. And so I'm looking at three little pigs. I'm looking at like a Mars book and a pop-up book. And then I go one, I, when I say like one bookshelf over, I mean, five feet from three little flipping pigs is this book. The title is Queerfully and Wonderfully Made, A Guide for LGBTQ Plus Christian Teens. Seriously. So this is just, this is right there. I mean, it's like, I'm telling you guys, I can't make this stuff up. It's five feet from three little pigs. This is really what's happening. And this is why I'm encouraged last week to talk about the fact that more and more pastors are speaking up about this stuff. Listen to this. This isn't just for LGBTQ plus teens. This is LGBTQ plus Christian teens. This is blasphemous language. This is hateful language. Listen to me. If you are a Christian and you tell someone that sin is not sin, that is not a loving thing to tell them. Okay. Okay. It's a hateful thing to tell them. If you go to a church and your pastor tells you that sin you did is not sin, that is a hateful statement. Jesus told people, you are forgiven. That is a message of grace and forgiveness. But you know what it also is a message? You know what he would say? Go and sin no more. And what does that mean? It means that there is activity that I'm asking you not to do. In fact, I'm calling you to something greater and higher than what you're currently in. I would not tell somebody, you know what, what you're doing is totally fine. Absolutely not. That's the kind of books we have in our libraries. And this is why we need our pastors to speak out even more clearly. I will tell you in closing, I am super encouraged for all of you who emailed me. I got tons of emails really encourage that so many of you are attending churches that have pastors that are willing to speak out on different issues. And, and just to let you know, if you did not do it last week, do it this week. Okay. So if you didn't last week, you heard what I talked about. You saw the, you listened to the clips and all this different stuff about these different pastors talking about cultural issues. If you did not shoot me an email, Luke at lukeatmessiestrategies.com. If you did not do that, do that. Okay. Follow up. I was so encouraged last week, got tons of emails from all across the state of Texas. Some of you emailed, y'all attend the same church. Hopefully y'all know each other. But I will say that most of y'all have different churches and different pastors. And you said, hey, this pastor, he speaks out. He's willing to speak truth to power. He's willing to address these cultural issues from a biblical perspective, even if it does offend some of those in the pews. And one of the things I ask many of y'all for is to put me in touch with these pastors because I would love to have conversations with them. So if you haven't done that, please do it. But I will say that I was really encouraged by it. And I'm going to try to think about one of the things I was convicted about last week is that I don't ask for those kind of things enough. Okay. So there's a lot of you that listen very faithfully and share this podcast with other people and send us some feedback and stuff like that. Very encouraging but I often do not ask you to participate enough. So I'm going to be thinking about different ways to ask you to engage on different issues. Um, Anyways, very encouraged. Thank you so much for listening. I know we have gone a little longer than normal, but there's a lot to cover. Always a blessing to come to you. God bless you and God bless the great state of Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messia Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless Texas.